You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's a guest speaker, we have Jack Greco, founder at One Link Ventures. And Jack helped many founders raise money completely for free. And today we'll talk about you know finding people like Jack who can help you out, not only with fundraising, but with other parts of your startup. So Jack, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on One Link Ventures. Great. And uh, thanks a lot for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. So um, it's about me. I'm 36. Um, I live out in Buffalo, New York. Um, never really lived too far out of Western New York. So for those that maybe are listening on the other side of the planet, uh, a lot closer to Toronto and really close to Niagara Falls, not that close to New York City. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up a, uh, you know, kind of in a very entrepreneurial family. My father ran his own business. He was an antique dealer. Uh, and, you know, while other kids were playing catch with their dad in the backyard, I was going to auctions and uh, moving around antiques for them. So, I mean, w- nice. one of the things I've seen um, is, you know, I, I am a founder first, most, and last. Um, you know, and a lot of what I do on the ecosystem development or community development side or, or helping people is really around, like, just trying to a little bit of wisdom I picked or some of the experience that I have with other founders life easier, right? Uh, you know, I spent a little bit of time in, um, uh, working with uh, regional VCs. You know, I was an associate on a fund for like five years to start my career. Uh, I worked with, uh, it's got to be at least four dozen founders at this point um, to, you know, get their business either up or growing. Raising money, putting the strategy together model stuff like that. Um, and I've just it's all about repetitions right so you know thought um, you know and do this you know hopefully you guys will see somebody that cares pretty devoutly about the community I live in um, I actually have open office hours for a day a week with anybody that's in Western New York and then I occasionally open those up for more of a you know for a larger demographic you know and just, you know, Constantine, if you want me to, I can put one together with you to throw some open office hours out for the people who listen to your show. Happy to do that afterwards. Sounds good. Sounds good. Based on my experience, actually, I tried to uh, recommend office hours of our venture studio to my listeners. For some reason, it didn't go so well. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll get back to that later on. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more. You know, let's jump straight into the topic of find the people like you, you know, who are actually ready to support the founders. Uh, let's first talk about the incentive to do just for free for some sort of share in the company or for other, uh, for, for any other competition. Sure. So, I mean, I personally um, have always done things without expecting anything in return. And look, I'm, I'm not silly, right? I mean, I have to for my mortgage and have had to do that and put food on my table. When, when you realize the universe is really made up of things like karma, and when you give, you get things back and you don't know from where, you realize like the good deeds you do are like throwing boomerangs, not knowing when they will return, but they often do, right? So 
I mean, I don't, um, I don't take a cut when I help people. So, so, so first of all, I don't say, hey, I will help you raise money. I typically sit down with founders and say, let's figure out what your business needs. Because the first thing people say when you say, what do you need? They say cash. And there's usually reasons mm-hmm. why they don't have the money already, right? Their plan is incomplete. They aren't talking to the right people. They're not focused. They don't have a business worth people putting money into it. I mean, like, like they're, and, you know, the reasons go on and on. So a lot of times I sit down with people and I go, look, I go, I'm not a professional fundraiser. I'm not a broker. I don't take a cut of what ends up coming in. Like more times than not, I will walk away um, and people will decide, I don't want to raise money and this might not be the best thing to invest in uh, my own time in. And they walk away from it, you know? So, you know, if I've done 50 rounds of fundraising, I've probably talked a hundred founders out of fundraising or a couple hundred founders out of even doing nice. that. Right. Um, and, and when you think about it, you go, what are you? Some destroyer of, you, you know, destroyer of <laughs> Um And the truth is no, like if you've got the entrepreneurial fire and the entrepreneurial spirit, chances are the first idea you have is not the best idea. Right. And people go, I want to be a founder. I'm going to found this. And you go, Oh, it doesn't really work that way. If you have what it takes to be a founder and it's more than just the want and need to do it, then let's figure out if you're on a venture-worthy expedition and the journey is worth mm-hmm. not the investment of, of investors' money, but the investment of your time, right? Um, so, look, how do you find guys like me? Um, guys like me are opportunistic. You know, like I do want to help companies. Um, you know, for me, I've, I've, I'm a founder. I'm a co-founder with two other guys. Uh, the company ended up becoming a unicorn. So financially, I don't need to, at this point, worry about where my next meal is going to come from. What I do have to worry about is what the world is going to be left to, like, or, or like with, for my son, who's five, and I'm 36, so I'm not that old. I'm also not that young. <laughs> and I realize many hands make light work. So, like, I don't do what I do, you know, to make as much money as possible. Uh, I probably never would have gotten into venture if that was the case. You know, I got lucky that I've been successful in that. I do what I I care about the community and I care about people and I care about leaving a positive legacy. So like you got to ask the question differently, right? I mean, you got to find people that genuinely care about what the impact of you being successful is on more than just because otherwise you're going to find a broker or you're going to find these guys that run around and call themselves advisors and try to take uh-huh. chunks yeah. of I mean, admittedly, you go on my LinkedIn and you'll see I'm an advisor with a lot of companies. I hold equity stakes in all those. I'm proud to say the overwhelming majority is I bought the equity stake or earned the equity stake in. I don't think I was ever given it. You know, um, but I also don't think I ever really asked for it or it wasn't part of the equation. It wasn't I'll help you if. It was I'll help you. And then the good companies, when you're able to help them, you know, will come back and they'll help you back and they'll say, I want you to have skin in the game. I want you to be part of this. Can you invest? If you can, you know, this is why we need it. You know, I, I personally, when I do angel investing at this point, I write small checks. I do not write big ones, you know, um, and, but I do it to be able to, because I can't go to somebody and say, put your money in this if I haven't done it. Um, and I have the means to do that. So it, at times I have the means to do it. Currently I do. We'll see what tomorrow brings. But so, I mean, again, like you need to find people that want to meaningfully do more than make a marketable return. You know, um, you, need mm-hmm. to, you need to find people that care about the ecosystem, that care about the community, that care about legacy. 
right? I mean, I just got done working on a project with Techstars. Their big thing is every day you wake up and look 20 years in the future. Like Brad Feld said that. I totally believe it. So I'm 36. When I'm 56, I'm not saying, hey, I'm here where I was supposed to be 20 years ago. I'm still looking forward as well. So, you know, I mean, most likely guys like and women like me, you will find at events, you will find being mentors. You know, you will find, you know, sometimes we get like publicity like I am with you because I give, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. and I think you, and don't be afraid to reach out. Most of them are not going to get back to you. I, I'm not able to get back to everybody that reaches out to me. I totally preference or, or put a preference around people that go, hey, I live in Buffalo or Rochester or Syracuse, or hey, I went to college with you, or I'm in the same fraternity, or I'm from the same part of Sicily your family is, right? Like, you know, try and find a tie that binds once you find the right target to, and then it ends up working. Absolutely, that's that's perfect discussion, uh, this description and differentiation. I mean, you know, find some icebreaker there. I mean, even if you see that the person is playing soccer and you play soccer as well, you can say, hey, we both play soccer. <laughs> of course, I'm making it oversimplified, but the point remains, you know, find the icebreaker. Um, so let's, I actually forgot to start with my standard question about uh, the venture that you're working on right now, which is One Link Ventures. Let's talk a little bit more about it. What does it invest in in terms of the stage and the fields? Sure, sure. So so I, I actually do um, three things right now. They're my three main things, okay? Um, so one link is a venture studio where, um, the company that I co-founded when I left a handful of the founding tech team were interested in being liberated, right? They wanted to, uh, they wanted to go back to building cool tech and not necessarily, you know, being part of a corporation. And, uh, so we kind of came together. Um, I put a little bit of money in and I said, Hey, we're going to find early stage companies. And um, we're going to be the founding tech team for them. And so I will be able to put money into this thing called One Link Ventures, and you guys will be able to work at maybe a below contract market rate, so something closer to, like, what you would pay full-time employees. Um, But so when you've got an early founder that needs to build the first version of a technology, right, maybe they have a prototype but it's not built, and they need a team. They don't just need a technical co-founder. They need a group of guys or women that are able to come together and actually build a full stack product. One link does that. It's kind of the technical co-founder for, for some of these new platform technologies that are coming out that may be lacking, you know, the financial gunpowder or, you know, just the right connections to have a team capable of building its initial product. So with one link, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we started it. Um, the team as it sits today was really came together last summer, about a year ago. In that time frame, we've built the uh, core initial technology for five startups. You know, um, one of those is a CPG company. One of them is in the payment processing space, uh, specifically about uh, wage remediation. Um, one of them is a communication play uh, that actually has a hardware and a software angle to it. Uh, one of them is a marketplace, and a fifth one is, well, the fourth and fifth one are both marketplaces. One of them's in a commodity good, and the other one is, uh, the fifth one is a marketplace um, where you actually buy and sell connections, like communication. Like, let's say you want to get connected to somebody at Cisco. 
I could connect you, you would compensate me for that connection, right? So like these are five companies that, you know, the amount of cash that I put into one link is down and I invest through pumping the tech team to build the initial product. And then they usually get compensated some cash, but mostly equity. So like my venture studio, I don't know if it's ever going to be profitable, but I knew that we needed it in upstate New York because there is literally no VC in Buffalo right now. There is no seed fund. There is no Series A fund. There is no Series B fund. I mean, we've got some early money. I'm an LP with an angel group that I think in total has a million dollars to invest. Um, not very much. Mm-hmm. I'm also an LP in a group called Launch New York that does some seed investment, but it's a 50 to 75K check usually, you know, which doesn't really get you too far. So there's one link ventures, and then I do private investing as like a super angel through Cooper Ventures, um, Cupol, C-U-P-U-L-E, you know, and I've done that, you know, um, since like 2011, 2012. Um, and then I also do work through a third entity called Stronghold Fund. And Stronghold Fund is, is primarily focused on opportunity zone investing, um, and I invest in you know, your listeners can Google what an opportunity zone is, but I invest and that the main byproduct of that is um, like a social good byproduct, you know, so too stronghold. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a non-for-profit arm and a for-profit arm that uh, it basically focuses on a, a lot of uh, support for migrant and refugee, you know, business models. So really three things that I manage, all of them really um, consolidated and focusing on improving the opportunities, the prospects, um, and the environment around up in New York. That's awesome. So you're still focused. So even during this pandemic, I believe you're still focused on this, you know, New York area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Upstate. So Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. I, I don't know if there's an angel investor who's put more money to work in those three cities over the last 18 months than me. Nice. Uh, certainly That's... not of their own money. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. I personally love investors who stay like in one place and focus on one specific place. That's why I was so happy to to interview Mocker Capital, who invests like pretty much only in SoCal, uh, not and focused on not investing in Silicon Valley startups. So I think that's really awesome. Uh, nice work there. And second question here about OneLink Ventures and your other investment uh, activities is how do you find, how do you source your deals? Basically, where do you find those startup founders? Bars street, you know, alleys and street corners. I mean, like, look, there's smart people everywhere, right? And and I, so when people ask me my investment criteria, it's team, founder, team, market, right? Like, that's it, right? Like, I, I need to, I refuse to put money into a company that I don't want to break bread with the founder or founders. And that's 100% where the early stage bet is, right? You hear about pivoting, you hear about all this changing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I raise a flag and say, hey, look, I'm willing to help people, you know, and I've had to put a pretty deliberate process in place that's like, hey, I'll take a 10 minute meeting with anybody. You get every single creature coming out of the lagoon for those 10 minute meetings. And then if you say, hey, look, I gave you what I could. People try and sell you stuff. They try and do all this stuff. But usually I reach out to the ones I like. I go, I see something special in you, right? Like, and the criteria I look for is, can they be a good leader? And when they make it, will they do something good, right? So I look for people that are already doing something good and already are good leaders, or at least have the potential to be good leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I find people. So, um, 
you know, uh, up until the pandemic hit, you know, we were hosting this coffee club that was once a week. Um, you know, I think I made a half dozen investments out of people I met at that. Some big, some small, you know, some of time, some of, you know, the tech team's, you know, resources at one link, some of capital, um, you know, it all depended kind of what they needed. And I'll tell you what, the biggest thing I do is I love to be part of a party, right? So I also talk to other guys that I think are pretty savvy investors that are good um, judges of character and then maybe share some of the same things I do. And I ask them what they're looking at. You know, um, I've met a couple of investments who are doing that, but mostly they're people that roll around the same places. I get out to, you know, the nice parts of the city, the crappy parts of the city, the north towns, the south towns, right? I, I make sure that I'm prevalent enough in all the different sectors. That's something I do. And if I'm there, it just honestly comes down to circumstance and chance. You know, I bump into people. I get to know them. I will hardly ever invest in somebody I haven't known at least six months. Typically, I want to know them 12 months or more, um, you know, or they need to be very close to somebody that I consider a confidant. You know, I will take the people around me's, you know, word on some of this stuff. And if it smells right and they've known them that long, then I'm comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's actually a very like standard uh, criteria in terms of, you know, how long you should have relationship with this founder or with someone who's close to the founder. Uh, and it's usually like six plus months. So if you meet the investor and you're like, oh, can you invest? Usually the answer is no. So, yeah, great, great point here. And let's talk about the early stage investments right now. What's going on during the pandemic? In the beginning, everyone pretty much uh, stopped investing in those early stage risky projects and focused more on later stage growth stage companies. What do you see going on now? Do you see the capital going back into the early stage investments or not really yet? I mean, I don't think the um, investment perspective I had really noticed that the pandemic went on, you know, so I, I didn't really change course. Um, I remember when this all started coming down that, you know, I had a couple deals in the works I was working on, you know, I carried on, right? I mean, again, when you take a, when you take a long-term vision on this stuff and a portfolio approach, um, you know, there's opportunity in everything. I mean, one of my biggest investments is in the airline space and I'm, I'm very confident through it. You know, the one thing I will say is through the pandemic, you see people's true colors kind of bleed and shine through. So university, what did they do? Did they pull all their poker chips back to them or did they reach out to help the people around them? Right. So I looked at it as a massive opportunity to de-risk the thing that I care about most, which is character of a founder. You know, I know the market. I know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, I'm in training. I can explain to you right now why all these people are laid off and the, and the market's up. Right. I mean, I can have those conversations because they're scientific in nature. But what this really revealed is it revealed the qualitative aspect, the character aspect of people. You know, I mean, I've probably done, if we say the pandemic hit the middle of March, you know, um, I've committed to um, two LP positions since then in larger groups. Um, they carried some of the same kind of, um, you know, investment thesis that I followed and probably did a half dozen investments since then, maybe more. Uh, which is about the same rate, if not even a little bit of an uptick from where I was or what I was doing before that. You know, I'm a deal a month to uh, I'm a deal a month kind of guy. Um, 
you know, I mean, the pandemic, look, it's a, I love what people call it a black swan event, right? I mean, uh, you go to a casino and, you know, being a black swan event, too, except the opposite was a white swan event. But, like, you know, it's all this, you know, random event is, is negative. And, look, it's, it's easy for things to slide, right? I do not invest in public markets. I thought it was very interesting to watch how emotionally, behaviorally, um, the uh, you know the public markets, you know, stock market and stuff reacted during this whole thing. I'll tell you what, this ended up being a boon. The majority of the companies I mean are losing money when they came out with PPP. Guess what happened? They all got two months more runway. Wonderful. You know, that's like a good thing. You know, I mean, maybe in the long term it's going to make it a little harder. You know, maybe the valuation I went in, you know, a year ago is not the same valuation I would go in in the same company today. But you know what? Like, the truth is with startup investing. It's uh, the kind of bets I make are either they're going to win or they're going to lose. I don't care if I win huge or small. And I, but here's the thing: I know exactly the most I can lose. Right? That's mm-hmm. why I love venture investing. Is like, you know, you go to the stock market and people are like, "Oh my God, I might lose 10% of my money." I'm like, "No, I'm fully yep. planning on losing 100% of it." <laughs> the question is, if I win, what am I going to win? Because I'm not going to I'm not going to get 20% of my money returned to me. It's going to be zero. It's going to be zero. It's going to be zero. ACV right now, it's sitting at a 52X from the seed investment level. Then you're going to get a 52X, right? You know, mm-hmm. and then, oh, you're going to get a bunch more zeros. And then you're going to get a, like a 20X or a 10X. And it's fun. You know, like nobody celebrates their stock portfolio going up 8%. But <laughs> out of 100 companies, if eight of them, you know, did amazingly well and you were in on those, you would be able to have a beer with the eight companies that did well that that, that made the thing jump, right? So I don't know right. that's the way I think of it, but you know, that is completely true, and that's just like perfect comparison between the stock market versus the startup life. Uh, just <laughs> great comparison there. So let's talk a little bit more about tech stars. You are you mentioned that you just uh, finished the, uh, the new batch with the tech stars, right? Yes, I did. Yep, it was a uh, a cool little first time experiment, right? Um, I mean, it was a program called Ecosystem Development. Uh, just rolled up. Jeez, uh, it was early last week. Was my last day. Um, you know, it was it was an intentional and a deliberate investment in building out the startup environment in an area. You know, I kind of felt like when they, you know, when I heard about this, I was like, holy cow, somebody's going to pay me to do the same thing I'm doing anyway. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so, but uh, it was really great. I mean, you know, Techstars has always been a company that I think has seen the value in a community. Um, you know, they run a bunch of like city accelerators that go along with their institutional partner accelerators. Um, and look, I mean, they know how much fertile earth there is out there. Every city can't handle the cost of an accelerator, mm-hmm. um, but every city can benefit from, you know, accelerators work because you have a bunch of people we call mentors who are willing to give their time. <clears throat> we have a bunch of people, we're going to call them founders, who are prepared to make these crazy bets of their time and their ego getting smashed and everything and starting a company. You've got a bunch of people who are looking for those rocket ship type investments, you know, in and maybe also care about ecosystem development, right? Like, hey, you know what? I'll take a two X return. I was just talking to a guy earlier today out of Chicago. You know, his first accelerator returned two X over 10 years. Not a home run by any means, 
Well, you figure that these are the type of dollars that are having both a positive return financially, and it was the first time Chicago had a real accelerator. It's what ultimately turned into the Techstars accelerator out there. Um, it's amazing to see all these things come together because, like, you know, the, the truth is people that have a lot of money are going to die with a lot of money. They're not going to be able to spend it. And I look at I look at money unspent as, like, potential untapped. I mean, at some point, we're all going to tap out of this world, and we have no idea when it is. Zero idea. That is our Black Swan event, and it will happen once, right? But what the question is, what did you do while you were here, and how best did you utilize the resources that you have, right? Um, and so the whole Techstars experience was an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We're all human. We all live here. You know, some of us will be born. Some of us will die every single day. That's all going to happen. Um, but let's actually make sure that we invest in something bigger than us, in a network, in a community, in a family, right, that, and concentrate effort into something that is bigger than what any one of us, including myself and the two guys I co-founded ACV with, who is Buffalo's first and only tech unicorn, like the community is bigger than that. You, that, is a, that is a large baby in, you know, a, a much larger pond or a much larger pen. Right, because it's an early stage company. It's not mm-hmm. yet, right? It's right. Five years old. So um, it was really a cool experience. Um, couple, I made some really lifelong friends in it. Um, I hope they continue on forward with it in other places. Obviously, a lot of places, you know, are not, uh, you know, are maybe not looking at investing in the future the way that they should be. Um, you know, but I undeniably think that it had a massively positive impact and. Here, you talk to people in the area, um, and every city can really benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, this is going to be a really positive interview. It feels like you live in Los Angeles with that positive attitude, so <laughs> let's let's get a little bit more negative here to balance things out. Um, let's talk about <laughs> sure, major sure. mistakes that you see founders making during the fundraising process, or maybe even you yourself made back in the days. So what's the major sure. mistake? Let's start with you yourself. What's the major mistake you made during the fundraisings that you've done in the past? Yeah. Um, trusted people that I didn't know that well. You know, I'm I'm naturally a very trustworthy person by just by the way I am, by just the person I am. Uh, that works against you. Not that you should be pessimist. Not that um, not that you should assume everything's going to go wrong. But the truth is, there's a lot of people out there who are going to try and screw you, right? Um, you know, and uh, a lot of times they're names that you know and names that you trust because you've heard them a lot. You know, um, you know, and I try and tell people when you hear an investor's name often, that doesn't mean they're great. Just like when you hear the word nicotine often, it doesn't mean that it's a substance you should trust. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. like, you know, and, and you really need to, I mean, there were a lot of times I went against my gut personally. I was like, I don't think this is good. And everyone's like, come on, we got to do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And it ended up not being good. Now look, I mean, the coach of a unicorn, and I have not lost the company yet to COVID. I'm extremely lucky, extremely lucky. Um, and I tell people that it is, it is, I am much more lucky than I am good. Um, but honestly, it comes down to who you trust. You know, um, I see founders all the time. They go, oh, I know this guy, or I know this woman, this young woman, and I'm going to make them an advisor, and I'm going to give them 
I'm going to give them 5% of my company. And I go, no, you're not. And they're saying, why? <laughs> now I got, what's his name on my cast? He's like, oh, I go, if you don't make them pay for it or earn it, like, who are they? Like, they don't care about you. Like, go find the name that maybe you don't know who's going to work for it. Because the truth is, like, a name only takes you so far. And look, Tennessee, I'm going to tell you right now, right, like, the world is run by a very small group of people. And if what you're trying to do is crack into that group of the small group of people, you better be wildly successful and stay as close to them as you possibly can if that's the group you want to be in. I personally do not, right? I personally do not give a shit if you're a billionaire or if you're poor. <laughs> if I can sit next to you and enjoy having a conversation with you on a bar stool, that's who I want to spend my time with, right? So, um, I mean, when I think of this whole thing, you know, the biggest mistakes people make every day are how they spend their time, right? Money is completely irrelevant. Money is time compressed. But every day you wake up at the same 24 hours, everybody else is. And it's how you choose to spend that time. I see founders that say, oh, my God, I got 20 meetings today. I go, that's stupid. You shouldn't have 20 minutes in, yep. 20 meetings in a day. You, there's no way you're going to get anything done. I take a look at it. I go, open your calendar. Let me look at it. And I go, dude, are you really focusing on your company? This is what you're doing? <laughs> and he goes, everything's for my business. I go, I get it all on your business calendar. But what, you're afraid to trust people. You're afraid to delegate. You're going to kill yourself. You're going to be divorced. Your kids are going to disown you. You're going to end up, you know, rich guys living in the, in the gutter. Management is one of the biggest mistakes founders make. And this especially counts for, like, the fundraising process. You know, I, I mean, I think the fundraising process is ridiculous. The hardest round to raise is your first round. Mm -hmm. It takes the most time. You've got the least track record. And the truth is people are just betting on you, right? And, and so it's tough because I'm telling founders, you got to do whatever you can to get through the first round of fundraising. Raise whatever you can as quick as you can and get back to building your business. Most people say a CEO, a founder, and then more so a CEO later on, should be spending a third of their time all the time fundraising. That kills me that that's the way reality has to be. Mm -hmm. it, 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 uh, it, it, it absolutely kind of like destroys me. But when I look at stuff like this, um, you know, it makes it hard for me to, um, to see another way around it. So like you need to be very effective, very efficient, realize that like, you know, every time you call an investor, it's not a shot on goal. I mean, you got to make sure you're hitting the hockey puck towards the goal too, right? Uh, otherwise, like, it's not going to be some freak example, right? Get mm -hmm. mentors, you know. Um, the old saying is you want to cut down a tree in an hour, sharpen, sharpen the extra 45 minutes. But uh, so, um, you know, founders out there, like, the biggest thing you can remember is, like, you are bigger than your business. Don't make it your life. Um, I also do not love investing and have not seen a ton of a, a success with founders that, that make their, their, their business their one and only, right? I mean, like, if I look at their desk and I don't see a picture of a loved one on it, I won't invest. Right? Because it means they're not doing it for something bigger, right? Um, and realize that there are a lot of people in the investment world who – you know, are good people, right? Investors aren't all slimy and bad. If they pass on you, you have to be positive. You have to be constructive. And plan on talking to somebody. Like, if I'm going to start another company and i got to go raise money, I'm going to go to somebody like the, 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 you know, the guy that runs 
Matt Ventures out in uh, Chicago that I talked to today. I said, he goes, why do you want to talk? I go, I want a relationship with you. Because in the next, like, two to three years, I might raise a fund and I need to know somebody. He goes, well, that's pretty far out. I go, yeah, well, I want to make sure you really know who I am and I really know who you are if I'm going to take advice from you. Right. You know? um, Actually, I, I want to uh, uh, interrupt you here just for a second. You mentioned that something you have to see on the pitch deck. If you don't see that thing, you will not invest. What's that thing? I didn't hear that part. No, no, not on the pitch deck. If I don't see a picture of their family on their desk. Oh, picture. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. focused on the pitch deck. <laughs> no, no, no. But, 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 but I mean, like, when you talk about the pitch deck, you know, like, you know, I, I can't tell you how many pitch decks I look at. And, right, pe people build pitch decks because they want to raise money. And I look at them and I go, where is your team slide? And they go, oh, it's in the appendix. I go, look, there's two slides I want to look at. Your team slide, your financials. Your financials are completely made up, but they at least give me a, a, an idea of how you think. Your team are the ones that should have looked at this deck. Every face that's on there should have approved this deck. And if they haven't, they should have been on the slide. And if you don't have a slide that's got six or more faces on it between team members and mentors and advisors, I'm not going to look at the company. Right? I don't want to be the first one to look at this. I don't want to be the 20th person to look at this. Run this by a lot of people in order to get an understanding before you get the bite at the apple you're going to take with a guy like me. Perfect. Yeah, that's great advice. And that's my standard recommendation as well. You know, before you actually go out to people you want to raise money from, first talk to a bunch of people who you know will not invest just to hear their feedback, just to polish your uh, deck. So here we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. What's the one thing you want to uh, listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Every founder should have a Calendly and a Calendly account or something like that. I'm devoutly, I love Calendly. Mm -hmm. um, and you should carve out at least a half day a month, four hours a month, an hour a week to open up the opportunity to mentor another founder, right? I'm not saying you get four hours to a single founder. I'm saying go on Calendly, make 15 or 30 minute slots, you know, an hour or two a week, you know, every single week, and then find a way to get that in front of people, put it right in your, right in your, um, right in your signature and say, if you're a founder, grab time with me. I want to meet you. Because one of the biggest things founders don't do are connect with other founders. Mm -hmm. You know, just yep. don't do stuff of that, right? Again, I started and will end my career as a founder, right? I just happen to be an investor along the way. And those are the people you want to get around, right? I mean, for now and what you do in the future, like I've seen when you put founders together, they share everything they have, the little bit that they have. You know, it's like, it's like seeing, you know, people on a creek bed that have like nothing and what little they have to share and all of a sudden they have more, right? And that's kind of the way it is when you're an early stage founder. Get close to other early stage founders and give first and share first, right? Trust me, it will come back. I remember like when I was early on to helping companies, like I would, I would say, look, I, I need to connect you guys. And even groups that you wouldn't think had a lot to do with one another, you know, 